It's all in the game with Neil Atkinson and David Downey. Everything and anything football. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. It is indeed all in the game. City Talk 105.9. It's been ages since I've seen you in this in this setting, Dave. It's I know, been some it's, time. It weeks. is at least, I think it's four weeks, isn't it? It could be, could be longer. Yeah. Uh, we had last week as a, can- as a late cancellation before then. Uh, the Chelsea game, I think I was away uh, in the aftermath of that. And then it's just sort of spiraled out of control yeah, from had, there. We've had Jim in since as You've well. You've had Jim in as yeah. well. So we know it's been, um, yeah. Uh, all is moving forward from a from a Liverpool perspective, or more accurately, it's not. <laughs> and we're going to talk about that from uh, from uh, from the Evertonian side as well, because I, I came in, I went, so "You've drawn your last two, haven't you?" Yeah. And you went, "Yeah, yeah, we've drawn the last two. It's um, it's a fascinating uh, top flight at the moment. We'll talk about it over the next the course of the next hour here and all in the game on City Talk One Five Point Nine. But I would, you know, I would say of last season's top seven, only Chelsea are going at what doing what they should be doing or better. If there's one saving grace for both Liverpool and Everton, it's that everybody else, Dave, is struggling and suffering as well. Yeah, they're no worse than anyone else at the moment, are they? Which is um, saving grace, isn't it? Really for both of them. When you when you sort of consider as well, certainly from a Liverpool point of view, the the amount of Things flying round about Brendan Rodgers, and we addressed some of that with Jim that when he was on, uh, when you were away, um, sort of you know why there's sort of mass panic when a season starts the way in which it has, um, and, you know you you need to put things into a little bit of perspective when you consider they're both what four or five points off the top four of where they would like off to third. be. I mean, it's off third as well, third, and it's, it's yeah. seven points behind City. You look at the think... sides occupying those spaces as well, Neil. It's, it's the likes of West Ham. You know, do we know whether Southampton can continue? I hope so because I like watching Southampton. But it's, it, there's lots of yeah. mediocre teams like West Ham, like Southampton, like Manchester United, Swansea. Up there, Swansea yeah. yeah, you know those sorts of sides are there, and I think that you know. I, the the key thing is if Liverpool Liverpool have just got to basically remain seven points behind City mm-hmm. until about February March, and if Liverpool do that, if they if they keep this sort of this line to where Manchester City are, then I think that you know they'll be they'll be able to in the running push for you know push for I think for the top two finish. Yeah. Um, because nothing's lost, nothing's gone. It's like a ninety, it's like a, it's like a mid eighties or even a mid seventies league table yeah. at the moment, where no one's quite where you expect them to be, and there's everyone's got more in the defeats column than you would normally expect to see. Again, with the exception of uh, Chelsea, everyone else you look at and you go, they're uh, you know they're, they're, I wouldn't have thought that they would have lost that number of games mm. at this stage. Uh, the, you know, City have dropped more points at home than you expect. Liverpool the same, Manchester United the same, and Manchester United have had some really easy games. And it's you're just looking at all this at the moment. And I think you know I would say about Everton, you know, those last two results for Everton, the real momentum yeah. killers. You can you can understand even if it's not ideal getting beaten at home by Chelsea from a Liverpool perspective, but. Losing at Newcastle from a Liverpool perspective, drawing at Sunderland from an Everton perspective, and then uh, fail, you know, failing to get a result against Swansea as well. These sorts of, <clears throat> they, they, you do feel these, they do begin to mount up. Yeah, certainly from an Everton perspective, it's more who we're dropping the points against than, you know, the actual dropping of the points. Because, it, you know, we, we sort of forgive Everton for throwing away a two-goal lead against Arsenal with 10 minutes to go. You know, you 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 put that in the context of a season. A point at home against Arsenal isn't the worst result. It's not a defeat, and you know they've taken nothing from you at Goodison as well. You look at Leicester, newly promoted side, giving away a, a one goal lead twice. You sort of make you know you make you forgive those sort of things. But when it comes in home games against Swansea, when it comes in games against Sunderland, the way you've looked absolutely rubbish this season then you do start to tally up the points that you probably should have got against sides that you did last season as well um, to finish within a sniff of getting fourth. Then it becomes slightly concerning because 
those points you've got to go and regain against sides that you didn't do that well against last season. I think that that's, that's I, I think that for both Merseyside sides in part two, I think we'll look at it game by game if we can get, if we can pull it together. But for both Merseyside sides, I think this this period now from when this international break ends next weekend through until the third round of the FA Cup, I think is absolutely critical. In domestically, from a league point of view, in terms of meeting meeting your, your your goals, your aims over the course of the campaign, I think that this is now the way the season goes because of these international breaks and because the games actually don't come as thick and fast as the greatest league in the world, the Premier League. Mm. As this idea that it is, you know, it's going to be this athletic challenge. The games, the games come thick and fast because you've got European games, but we've got our first league midweek game coming up. We've got Christmas on the horizon. These games are now there, very much sitting there, and it will be, you know, it'll be a test of squads, and this is where. I think this is where, for instance, I think the Southampton uh, challenge begins to fade to some degree. I wonder if they've actually got enough points on the board now to have a proper go. Um, yeah. You know that they've already, the, the, the points that they've got can give them can give them a proper springboard. But that's where certainly West Ham begin to begin to drop off. It's where you know it's where th- three or four of these other sides that are, that are mooching round, and that's where the idea that you even though you haven't been getting the results you should be getting, if you're used to playing when uh, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, then you should have that squad in a position to be able to start to go right now. We pick these points up. So I think that these. Games now, this period of football that we're about to come into, I think it's the huge tests for both both Liverpool manage, both City managers, Liverpool, Liverpool's and Everton's in terms of things that they haven't really had to do before. But they're at this position now where you're coming up against other the opposition managers are having to do the thing as well, where they've got to make changes. And if 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 any run of momentum that either Liverpool or Everton get at this stage, any run of four wins in five, five wins in six, uh, you know, ideally six out of six in this in this period here. If anyone goes on that run, then it'll stand them in such good stead when we come into the new year. Yeah, it is crucial. And you know, a word on those managers. The, these two managers are on a learning curve. It's easily forgotten, I think, how far Liverpool have come in such a short space of time, which ultimately creates, you know, a, a victim of your own success, sort of backdrop for Brendan Rodgers. And similarly for Martinez, you know, you're managing teams, squads, players who aren't used to aren't used to the you know the environment of three games, seven days. Um, you know, it's taken its toll on Everton squad in particular. You look at James McCarthy. You look at the um, Barkley earlier on this season, you've got lads who are tired, and you've got squad management. And why are we in a world where it can't be forgiven for these managers to actually make a mistake or two when they, when they when they're working these things out? Uh, there's undoubtedly mistakes have been made uh, for I think both Rogers and Martinez. I think I think it's it's the speed with which they learn from mm. and, and and what information that you take from that. You know, I think I, I uh, Rob Gutman said on one of our shows uh, he, he phrased it at the, that his concern at the moment is that Brendan's managing perhaps slightly too much from a sports science perspective and not enough from a pure sports perspective. And I think that there's an element of that. You know, the idea that certain players have to come off on seventy. The idea that you know <clears throat> you're getting this information as a manager, and I, I suspect it's the it's in a sense it's the scariest piece of information because you cannot be playing very well um, you know you cannot be not be doing what you should be doing and that's one thing and you feel you can fix that on the training grounds but if someone you know who's got a degree in this a doctorate in this is turning around to you and saying if you don't take this lad off on 70 you increase his chances of getting an injury by X yeah. his, his level will diminish by Y and if you're you know if you're dealing with that then that's slightly like well that's you know I can fix stuff on the training ground on Monday but if that fella's right yeah. when it gets to 75 and his hamstring goes yeah. then I've not got the player I can't work with the player on Monday 
And I, I do think that these are bits of information that are quite difficult. And I do think it, it does present its own challenges. I think Liverpool's situation has been compounded by the lack of what we can call almost virility in attack. You know, that there's nothing there which which really convinces you can, you know, can really go and do the business in the way in which Liverpool needs that to happen. I think that's been a problem. But I think all in, there's, there's, this is where managers can, you know, they can sort of lose the way a little bit. And I agree with you that, you know, sometimes a little bit of time, the idea that they themselves will have had this two-week period to look back over it and go, got that one right, got that mm. one wrong, got that one wrong, got that one wrong, got that one right, and learn from that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, you know, these lads, Martinez and Rogers, have come to our football clubs, you know, blazed the trail in what they've done so far. And nobody's ever stopped to, to, to think, well, they're going to get something wrong. The, 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 t- the two managers, the two human beings, you know, lest we forget that, they're prone to making mistakes. They're prone to doing things in an environment that's previously been unknown to them. They're going to make mistakes when this happens, Neil. And you, you know, you, you, in Brendan Rodgers' case, I, I have great sympathy because you look at what happened in Madrid. Albeit, I think the pair of them don't do themselves many favors sometimes in the media with what they come out with and how they sort of try to deter people from what actually the real issue is, and it ends up creating something completely different. Um, nonetheless, I think that. You, you look at what Brendan Rodgers tried to do in Madrid, what sub- subsequently followed against Chelsea. These, th- that two years, he's an individual. He, he has his own ideas. You know, it's it's pure individuality of the manager who he is. Everybody's got a view. Uh, we we sat in the previous hour. Neil Sangley was saying, you know, you could, you could write Liverpool squad down and get ten different teams from ten different people. Ultimately, that's where he's come unstuck at the moment because there are that many people in the squad that there's no written formula. Whereas you look at last season, largely although we played him in some fantastic and you know groundbreaking systems to the Premier League, largely the eleven to thirteen players were picked same, for him. It was the same thirteen players every week. Yeah. Essentially, if 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 thirteen of them were fit, two were used from the bench. If you know if that wasn't the case, then it was pretty much just got to go again with these and we make it work. And I yeah. do think that that's. I think that you know this this. This increase of choice, but I also think that there's. I think that Liverpool's squad is obviously stronger than last season. Mm. It's just that the first team isn't, and first teams play football matches. That's that's the reality. And I do think that there's this profound problem, um, which is that essentially the goalkeeper, because he is significantly better than Brad Jones. You take the goalkeeper. Um, you take, I'd say Henderson. You take Sterling, and you take Sturridge. If you could clone those four and then dole out seven other players to either side from Liverpool's squad and got them to play each other, I couldn't tell you who'd win. I wouldn't have the faintest mm. idea who'd win. They could play different shapes, they could play different systems, they could have a slightly different approach across these two sides, but I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you if, I genuinely don't know, if Mamadou Sacco and Colo Torre are a better centre-back partnership option for Liverpool than Skirtle and, and, and Lovren. And I, I don't know that for a fact. And when you're at the, the level that Liverpool are at, you know, you think of the sides that have been successful and successful on a number of fronts in the last, um, in the, you know, in the last 10, 15 years. If, well, and, and, and if you take it beyond that point, then obviously when squad yeah. sizes are smaller, full stop, you know, you can name the centre half partnership. That's the centre half partnership, for better or worse. You know, th- this side centre. Th- some of them, some of them were great defenders. Some of them were great partnerships. Some of them were bailed out because of what was happening in attack. But you could go that team there, that great side, or that side that was challenging for honours. These were the two lads who played centre half all season, 
and Liverpool and we're the two best at it. But the only way you can truly find that out, Neil, the only way you can truly find out what is that parent is by giving them game time. Now, you look at how high stakes Liverpool's games are at the moment. You know, even you've got you've got a cap at one cup tie away at Bournemouth. That is that that is quite big now, isn't it? You know, get get you a semi final if you win it. Absolutely. So you know, you look from that point of view, he's he's between a rock and a hard place, isn't he? Because you you can't you can't you're thinking, well, hang on, do we go and put Sacco and Torre? Do we put a mystery partnership out in the middle of that Bournemouth game? And then you know, you look at the 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 aftermath of it. it, it, If you don't get that result, it's impossible. It it very much is a hiding to nothing. I think. Well, this is where I think this is where essentially, if Dejan Lovren was the player that Liverpool hoped and thought that they were buying, then he he renders that moot in the same way that you know Manchester United buying Nemanja Vidić. And he's just Nemanja Vidić the moment he arrives. Mm. He has the occasional bad game, but he plays centre-back. That's what he does. He'll be on the team sheet. If he's not on the team sheet, we are resting him. And the issue that you've now got, for instance, around uh, Dejan Lovren is that there's, there's a strong, strong case to drop him, to not play him in the Crystal Palace game, to bomb him out. Or to rest him to say he needs a couple of a couple of weeks off to get his head right because you know he is struggling mentally to do it any which way you want to do it. But there's a strong argument not to play him. And you you think about you think about big centre halves throughout you know as I say throughout the last fifteen years when you didn't play Sammy Hippier, it was a big deal. You'd bombed him out. I remember um, Benitez took uh, took Hippier off when we got beat three 0 against Arsenal uh, away from home, and I think about two thousand and seven eight, um, and or it might have been oh six oh seven. It was around that sort Is that of the time. One scored? I think so. Yeah. And he and he took he took Hippier off on about seventy minutes, and then that was that. Sammy Hippier was no longer first name on the team sheet centre half for Liverpool. I think Daniel Iger came on for him, and going forward, I think it was either that season. You know, it it, it was a thing. Yeah. It was like oh god. Now, if that happened, it wouldn't feel like a thing. It would, it would briefly, but it wouldn't feel. It's not, it's not an era. It's not a big decision because because one one player's head and shoulders above everybody else, or has been for a period of time. Gerard's in that category, and that needs addressing. Um, and we'll talk about that after the break as well. But I do think that that's the problem. I think you've got to. I think you spine the spine of your team. I think if you want to be at, you know, if if Chelsea play any game and they don't play Cahill and Terry. If you're the, if you're covering the game, you want to know why. Yeah. Now, if they don't play Courtois and they play Czech, you want to know why. Now, if they don't play Matic, you want to know why. And now, if Costa doesn't play, you presume it's because of injury. It's that straightforward. That's the spine of the team. Liverpool have got that with Sturridge. You know, if Sturridge doesn't play, it will be because of injury. Um, you know, to a certain extent, even though I think he's been off the boil for a variety of reasons at times this season, Jordan Henderson's in there as well in that mm. category. But then you, it was a big deal when Sterling didn't play against Aston Villa. But there's no one along that back four, not one of them, that if they didn't play, you'd go, God, that's massive. Mm. And if you've got that, and, and the goalkeeper is, has, got, has, has sort of got that by default, not because he's been brilliant, but because there's, th- th- there's no obvious sort of person to come in. And if that's your problem, if there's no one that you'd say along that back four, there was no, oh my God, that's massive along that back four. Then you're gonna be you're gonna you're gonna have a profound issue, a profound difficulty. If Liverpool did turn up at Crystal Palace and were playing Sacco and Torre, you'd go, All right then. Whereas if you know, if the classic Liverpool side, you know, if, if Hansen and Lawrence don't play, you're like, What's going on? If Ferdinand and Vidic don't play for that United team, what's going on? If if Terry and Cahill don't play for that Chelsea team, what's going on? This is something something mega has gone on here. They must both have the legs hanging off. Something must be dreadfully wrong. Hippier and Honcho, Carragher and Aga, you know, going back, Ratcliffe and Mountfield, mm. all of these sorts of centre half partnerships, you'd be going, What's going on? Whereas Liverpool could swap four defenders every single game and you go, Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you you couldn't you couldn't raise an issue with it, could you? Because well, mind you, you, you go back to a, a level that's reflecting that 
the way they're playing at the moment. And you think, you know, Dejan Lovren, he doesn't play. It's not, oh my God, he's being dropped. It's, okay, yeah, that's fair enough. You thank know, God. Someone, someone, yeah, someone be saying, exactly, thank God. Yeah, absolutely. And there, there's the pedals of modern day management for Brendan Rodgers. I mean, you mentioned about um, the, the sports science well, or the side of it. He's He's got to utilise every tool at his disposal. Some of them will be to his detriment, won't they? The other side of this is that it's quite blithe and easy for me to say. And you know, you could rest Lovren for a couple of weeks and let him get his head right. It could be that if the manager doesn't pick him, drops him, his head will go even worse. Mm. You know, it's dead easy for me to say this blithely on the radio, knowing I'm never going to be held to account for it. <laughs> whereas it's someone else's actual job. Um, this is all in the game. It's City Talk 105.9. We'll be looking at Everton's. Oh, we'll look at all the Everton's fixtures between now and uh, the FA Cup third round in the first week of January after this break. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. From big vans to small vans, crew vans, minibuses or tippers. Save, choose and change your next van at motorrange.co.uk. Save, choose, change at Motorrange. City Talk 105.9. That'll do. That'll do. All in the game, Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey. <laughs> City Talk 105.9. Going to talk about Everton's uh, challenge uh, between now and the, th- the third round of the FA Cup. We've just worked out that Everton play 11, 11 games in, I think, I think I counted on my hands, in 41 days. 11 games in 41 days, which is, you know, effectively, uh, that is one game every three and a half days that Everton are playing between now and uh, and the 1st of the first of January, uh, that last league game before the FA Cup. I'll run you through them very quickly. Uh, West Ham home, Wolfsburg away, Spurs away, Hull City home, Man City away, Krasnodar home, QPR uh, home, Southampton away, Stoke home, Newcastle and then Hull away from home. Um, Dave, it's it's a punishing schedule. The one thing I'd say though is that every other side you play in that period um, is, is doing a minimum of nine games. A minimum of of nine games in forty one days. Uh, you know, I think that Liverpool are looking at twelve because they've got the League Cup game. Um, Manchester City and Spurs are both obviously in Europe as well, so they'll be doing the big the big eleven in the forty one games in the forty one days. Sorry, it's it's such a tough schedule. It's it's grueling, isn't it? When you look at injuries at the moment as well. I mean, you approaching that with a with a clean bill of health, you'd sort of be thinking this is a little bit daunting, but. I mean, you, you look at those games and you think, well, you've, you've got to be pragmatic about selection and dare I say it, look at some games where you would, you know, you'd happily take a point. So um, I, I sort of, I, I don't see how Everton's squad copes with that, as in, you know, th- dreams of grandeur going through it unbeaten. I think that's nigh on impossible, um, albeit, you know, stranger things have happened, but and you know you you look at it and I think you pick and choose wisely which games you prioritise after that eleven. I certainly would if I was a manager. Well, I mean, we just we just talked through it there, and you know, when you get to that run uh, in December, the first game in December that Everton have got, they, they go to Spurs. Uh, there's Wolfsburg away, then Spurs away, but then there's Hull at home, Man City away, Krasnodar at home, and QPR at home. Mm. And you do, you know, if, if, if prioritise West Ham, prioritise Spurs, prioritise Hull, prioritise Krasnodar, prioritise QPR, get you through the first, and there's a bit of a break between QPR and Southampton of five days in there. Monday to Saturday, you know I think that that's that's surely the way to do it. I mean, it sounds awful. It does sound like it's the sentence that you don't want to hear as an Evertonian that you don't want to hear as a football supporter. But there is a strong argument that Everton basically, you know, they send the rest a few people the weekend of the Manchester City game. Yeah, I mean, particularly if we need something from Krasnodar, which I think we will because Wolfsburg have hit the stride now, and 
I want. I think Everton need to top that group as well for fixtures. If there's going to be any ease up in fixtures, they need to top that group as well. I think in the Europa League. So, yeah, Neil. I mean, as much as it's horrible to admit, and you know, it, you know, put yourself in Brendan Rodgers' shoes going to Madrid. It, it's that sort of feeling, isn't it? And you know, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of what you said earlier on this season when, when we spoke about it in terms of putting them into little clusters. I mean, if you if you look at West Ham, Wolfsburg, Spurs, I mean, if you. If you were to lose the Wolfsburg game, let's say, go four points from Spurs and West Ham, you're very content with that. Then I'd treat the next four as a block because you've got three at home and City away. If you if you take nine, including three points in Europa, that is a very very good foundation for us to build on for the winter. And then you know you're looking at Southampton away, Stoke away, Stoke at home, Newcastle away, and then Hull away. Yeah, and then Hull away. Then that that's huge because. Three out of four away. It seems like I haven't been away every week, by the way. Um, <laughs> I think we had a spell where we went six games without a home game. We went five weeks without a home game in, in I think, October, mm. September, October time. It always feels like Liverpool are playing at home all the time. Um, one of them always we, is. We've got to go and watch them, Dave. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't know who's the less fortunate um, at the moment. So, yeah, I, I, I'm a fan of, like you said earlier in the season, having those little clusters. You know, you sort of look at it as like that domino effect. You get through West Ham, you you, you know you, you scrap a one 0 win against West Ham. You it's, go to Wolfsburg, you dog out a point. Spurs away, you've had a similar time of you. You you know you probably fancy your chances of going there at the moment because they look like they, they're really susceptible to conceding goals. And they look they look even more susceptible at home. I yeah, mean, that's the that's that's the. They've been thing. terrible at home. Haven't yeah, they? and they, they they don't seem to be able to get a relationship going with the mm-hmm. crowd at all. It appears to be quite a discontented place, White Hart yeah. Lane. It's it is. I think the problem is, and this is this is where you know it's. The thing about all of the, with the exception of QPR, the other problem I'd say for Everton in that run of games, and this is where you know, for instance, you could do with getting your results against Sunderland. You could probably do with getting your results at um, at home to Swansea. Maybe QPR at home and Stoke at home are the only two that you feel are gimmies. You know, they're the only two where you'd be genuinely disappointed. Mm. Steve Bruce's Hull can go and get a result anywhere. They've shown that time and again. Um, you know, it's they've got they've always got a point in them wherever they go. Steve Bruce's yeah. Hull. That's that's the difficulty, and that's the thing about this season is that you are looking at this uh, sides last season. They didn't, you know, Hull didn't have an Abel Hernandez up front. They only had Jelovic for half of the campaign last season. You know, it's things like that are, are what's changed. There does appear to be just that bit more threat from a few of these sides than there has been for a couple of years. Definitely, you, I mean, you look at the pedigree. Some of them. I was even looking at Sacco at West Ham. I think he scored something crazy like eight and nine or yeah. something like that. Sacco, I mean, Sacco and Valencia at West Ham. West yeah. Ham are playing really well. They're coming to Goodison this weekend, and a win for West Ham really does open. It, it does become a, a, a look more and more like a bit of a chasm. Oh yeah, I mean we, we spoke about Southampton. Who, who you think you know maybe they've got enough now to look like a bit of a threat to to have that springboard to, to put them onto anything else. But what it does emphasise to me, Neil, you look you look at that fixture list as a whole. Those eleven games. It just emphasises momentum and going back to what you said about Sunderland, Swansea coming on to the back of on the back of two draws. You know, even four points from them with the win being the latest fixture gives you something to you know to carry on with momentum wise going forward into these eleven games. We're looking at it now, quite rightly so, as if it's this is starting from scratch now. International break's gone. No more of that nonsense until March. Now it's time to kick on. You've you've got to start from fresh. Which is why West Ham worry me, to be honest with you, because they're absolutely flying. You know, they're, they're going to be flying on confidence. Everton seem to me are a team at the moment who aren't very high on either confidence and obviously not high on momentum. So 
And it's a, it's a, I think there's a big watershed game for Everton coming up. I think it is. I think I, I think the issue uh, with playing someone like West Ham now, when Liverpool went to West Ham, it, you know, it was it was a bit of a perfect storm, and Liverpool were also frankly utterly dreadful. Um, but you know, it was it was a little bit of a perfect storm. I think when Liverpool went to West Ham, the issue now I think is if you're Sam Allardyce, you can actually send them out insofar as you ever do in your life to enjoy themselves. You can have this idea of saying to them, you know. Lads, you're already surpassing expectations. <laughs> you go and relax, and I think that's what friends. I think you've seen Cooman doing that at Southampton. This idea that you you can you can give your players a certain amount of freedom, they can relax a little bit, they can feel as though no, we can we can put these to the sword. They can feel confident in themselves, but they can also know that another three points here is just another part of this. It only really gets real when you get into Christmas, when you get into January, if you're West Ham or Southampton. That's the only. That's the point where you know it's it's at the minute you can as a manager you can build this umbrella. That the pressure it just bounces off that this is the thing Neil I think that's absolutely spot on you, you look at Southampton play how much freedom they play with and when they win a game how to get how much togetherness there is in that squad and, and those people uh, at the club it, it's generally enjoying their lives they're enjoying football we've always spoke about that never happens enough in football we spoke about it in terms of Brendan Rodgers watching Liverpool with a smile on his face last season you know you don't see it in football it's even criticised you seldom see it that yeah. often um, you know you look at pressure cooking environment that you see at Liverpool in particular at the moment and also Everton and you can sort of see where these sides are excelling where Everton and Liverpool aren't I mean Everton draw nil nil at home to Swansea catastrophe Everton draw one all away to Sunderland in an unjust game where we probably should have won three points but for the referee it's disaster you know Liverpool three defeats in a week Newcastle away absolute disaster Southampton, do you really think Southampton feel that sort of way if they if they go away to I don't know like a Hall or a Stoke and get beat one nil in, in you know in a game that's you know could have gone either way but yep. slightly unlucky to lose it one nil. I, I think they dusted off like anything, and this uh, and this is another situation where where Liverpool and Everton find themselves in. It's this it it is the idea of. It, because you are behind as well, I think because you haven't got that little bit of room to manoeuvre against your own expectations, is you're constantly playing in fear of two drops, not, never mind three dropped, two dropped. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's what needs to sort of liberate, uh, be, become a liberating force. That's what, you know, I th- one of the reasons why I think Liverpool put the run together that they did last season in the second half of last season was they suddenly found themselves three or four games into the run having effectively secured a top four finish. Mm. And then it was, and then there was a period in the run where for three or four games, that's when they played the best football of the season. When they were on that twelve-game run, they played that excellent or eleven-game run. They played that excellent football for about for about three or four games. Southampton away, United away, where they were able to play with 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 a freedom and an assurance that you know we're really good. But also, you know, if, if if it doesn't click today, it's not a disaster. And the pressure came back on towards the end of the run because it was it was what was at stake. All of a sudden, the the the, the stakes of the game had changed, and they looked a little bit nervy again. But I think that that's that's what you can that's what can what can do for you. But the other side of that is, you know. What kicked that off, that run that Liverpool had last season? What kicked off a lot of what Everton did well last season? Big results. Everton went to United and won. Yeah. Liverpool, uh, put, at the start of that run, they put five past uh, Arsenal. A week before that, a week and a half before that, they put four past Everton. And it felt like, you know, these feel like big results that give, yeah. you, give you a start a motor to your season. And I don't think, looking at either Liverpool or Everton this season... Ultimately, the Merseyside derby. Now, looking back on it, it feels like you know if we if we were all friends together, Dave, it actually feels like a missed opportunity for both sides. Mm. In that, it should have been built on by Everton, last minute equaliser at Anfield, and they haven't done so really anywhere near as much as they need yeah. to. The obvi- the other side of that was Liverpool were much the better side. 
Uh, should have gone two 0 up, hit the bar when it was when it was easier to score uh, in Balotelli. Didn't close the game out that they should have done and get punished, not even by a defensive error, really, through a 30-yard unstoppable thunderbolt in real terms. And yeah. so it does feel as though neither have had that, that, that click result and both need it now. Yeah, I, There's been a few false dawns as well, and certainly from an Everton perspective. I mean, you took six from six against Aston Villa at home, Burnley away. All of a sudden you think you're flying and then comes that nil-nil against Swansea and it just, it just halts any momentum that you've got. The one thing I would say is, I mean, I'm very grateful that Everton see a point away from home as two dropped, I'm grateful my club's in a position yeah, to see that. you'd much rather be in that position. Absolutely. But at the same time, I think we shouldn't lose focus on the fact that a point away from home can still be a decent result. You know what I mean? It can. It it, it, it doesn't have to be the disaster that everybody's making it out to be. A point away from home and something okay, yeah, we should have won the game. We played quite poorly. You know, the referee was a joke and we should have won the game. Fair enough, I can accept that. But a draw against Sunderland, yeah, two points dropped. But it's not the catastrophe everybody's saying it is. It's not a defeat. It's not an overwhelming defeat. There's still positives to take from the game. I just don't want us making too much of drop points when, like you say, everybody else around us is doing it. If there's a time to do it, then surely now it is the time. I think it's 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 also you know Everton the Everton's away is in the league over this period that we're talking about Spurs away Manchester City away Southampton away Newcastle away and Hull away you know you right now let's strike the City one out just for argument's sake the other four you know if I offered you now it'll be unbeaten I'm not saying it'll be it'll be any more than four points but it'll be unbeaten there are other sides you know Spurs will come top half City will come top half Southampton will come top half and one of Newcastle and Hull will come top half and neither will be in any sort of relegation difficulty mm-hmm. I think now of recent results neither will slip beneath 12th and I think that once you get to that sort of point you know it, these aren't it's not it's not QPR away where I think you've got to be looking and City yeah. fail to you've got to be looking at picking three points up. It's not Leicester away where it does feel now in hindsight like Everton have mm. dropped two. It's not Crystal Palace away where Liverpool go this weekend, knowing that anything less than three is points dropped, whether we like it or not, it is. You know, it's not a side that's gonna come twelfth to twentieth. It's not one of your one of the league's whipping boys where if you've mm. got genuine pretensions of coming top four, you've got to be look you know, it's disappointing not to pick six points home and away up against. Yeah, it is and th- those sides you mentioned, like you say, if you, you, you took four points and remained unbeaten against them, you know, the, the obvious benefit of that is you, you're taking points from them as well. Which is cr- which is crucial when you, you compete with them for for, for spares for spares, City, Southampton, Newcastle. At the moment, we don't know where it'll where, where, what will be the case by the time Everton goes to Newcastle. But at the moment, you know that's that. That's not a bad result at all, is it? You know, you you consider what they've done in the last five games, and they've looked top class. I mean, that that, that lad up front who scored that won the goal at Iosi Perez, I think it is mm-hmm. against West Brom, looked absolutely fantastic. And all of a sudden, you look at these lads who he's brought in, Pardew, and you think, well, you know, these these are good players. These lads know how to play football. You know, they're, they're not idiots and you know, it, it doesn't take a genius to figure that out once you see them winning a game, and you, then you, you you sort of start feeling, well, what, why why can't they have a flash in the pan season? What you look at when Newcastle finished fifth, mm. and he come up with that ridiculous statement about you know Everton beneath us now and and things like that. The teams will there will always be a team that does that. Southampton are the one at the moment who who are doing that, but it doesn't mean to say the results away from home. You've got to go and batter them, or you've got to go and win. It, it, it's about finishing ahead of your opponent this league not who you're beating do you know what I mean it's about accumulating the points to get to where you want to be Liverpool I thought when they went to Newcastle you know it was they, they managed to they thought they, again this is an example of trying to be you know managers being on learning curve and trying to be clever you know Liverpool went I thought just to keep it tight and then 
open the game out because Newcastle do want to play on the break, and that's why it suits it suits a Newcastle uh, even in their own ground to a face Liverpool a, capable of that to face they? a Liverpool or an Everton. What to, to open the game out? I think they no, are, sorry to to, to keep it tight. Well, but yeah. they, they, they did they did achieve it because it was only when they began to open the game out that Newcastle picked them off. Before then, it was a nothing football match. Practically nothing happened for an hour. Liverpool were, were in the ascendancy without doing very much, and then it and then the, the football match sort of fell to pieces, and Liverpool were left, you know. But, Essentially, they went one down, and you know after they went one down, they could have finished. They could have finished three three nil to Newcastle in terms of quality of chances yeah. that they missed. Newcastle didn't. It wasn't a game Newcastle deserved to win. Full stop. Let alone three nil. But me, me thing about this is, if you're a football playing side as Liverpool and Everton are and want to be, then sides like Newcastle can catch you unawares. You know it, it, that's the that's the difficulty at the moment with this league is that I think that there are sort of of these these middling teams they do seem slightly more concerning now they do all seem to have a little bit more cutting edge that said you know I, I, I would say that in my head you know you look at Everton's squad Everton are 20 points better than Newcastle mm-hmm. uh, Everton are, you know Everton are genuinely 20 points better than Newcastle uh, you know they're 20 to 30 points better than Hull this is it's just getting into a situation when you've got all these other games when you've got these other distractions that you can demonstrate it and that's that's the hard part. We'll talk more about this after the break. City Talk, 105.9, all in the game. Neil Atkinson and David Downey. We might have a sweep when we come back, but then again, what do we need it for, really? You know what we're doing. It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. On City Talk, 105.9. Welcome back. All in the game, City Talk, 105.9. We're at the uh, stage of the show where Dave Downey does all the maths. So we'll let him get on with all the maths as he works out what time. We've got to cease to talk to you this evening on City Talk 105.9 uh, with all in the game. And instead, I will say very, very briefly, uh, while Dave does his adding up, I will set up that I would not start Steven Gerrard against Crystal Palace at the weekend. The reason why I would not start Steven Gerrard against Crystal Palace at the weekend is, one, I would very much like to see him start against Ludogrets uh, in the midweek game that follows. I think it's important that Gerrard is able to lead the side for that game. It's important that his presence is on the pitch, not just for the, his team, but also for Ludogrets to see Steven Gerrard on the pitch and at its best and at his most dangerous. Secondly, uh, I would also probably like to see Lucas Leiva start at the base of Liverpool's midfield. The Palace game feels a little bit, Dave, like the QPR game, wherein if Palace are going to get anything from the game uh, in terms of making something happen, in terms of scoring a goal, uh, they're most likely to get it through a set piece, they're most likely to get it through uh, being able to go long to a big player. And Lever has shown himself, you know, in, in the last four or five years in the Premier League, very, very able. He's good in the air, he's good at defensive headers, he's got a good leap on him. He does the basics of standing on someone's toes, which when Liverpool played QPR, no one told Emre Jan to do. No one said to Emre, if you're going to sit there, you've got to go and just stand in front of him someone comes behind him someone comes in front of him and between the two of you you do that Lever's got that he can do that mm. Lucas and I would very much like to see him start against Crystal Palace yeah he actually surprised me against Real Madrid Lucas he was excellent he was and, and he you know what I'm probably one of those guilty of actually writing players off far too quickly I've done it far too many times and I continue to do it uh, Tim Howard will testify to that <laughs> but I think Tim deserves it yeah well yeah that would be my point anyway um, but with Lucas I, I did have him down as we I mean I, I thought for all the money in the world he was going to go in the summer uh, that didn't happen and I sort of started to think what is his role going to be at the club here where does he get in because I thought Chan would be the immediate well, choice I didn't think I didn't I, I thought Chan had started ten games by now um, obviously in injury permitting but it, it hasn't worked out that way uh, Rogers had decided to rotate a mixture of Joe Allen in there Stephen Gerrard playing in there. 
Um, it, it just sort of feels like a time where you need a bit of consistency and a level head to go in there. And Lucas is probably that man. I think that it's. I, I thought the mentality at Real Madrid. The best thing I thought about the game in comparison to the the home leg uh, was the mentality when they conceded because they all looked at each other and went, "All right, then, keep going with the plan." Just keep going with the plan. We're going to do this thing, and this is the way we're going to play. Keep being brave. You know, I thought I thought people said to me that they didn't think Joe Allen played well in the ground. I thought he played well, but I think part of the reason why I thought he played well was I thought he was consistently brave. He was looking to get the ball turn, go to you know go go, go at Madrid a little bit, look for the next pass. I thought he was brave in that regard mm-hmm. and prepared to play when a lot of people again in the home leg, no one, not not enough of that had been going on, and I think that Lucas epitomizes that, and I think that I agree. I think the idea of a level head on there. And it allows Gerard to focus his attentions on the European game. It allows him to think the European game is my next one. Um, and it's diff- it's been difficult with Stephen because a lot of the games you would have perhaps considered resting him or using him elsewhere for have been the ones after international breaks. And I th- but I think, th- and because he doesn't play internationals, but Lucas hasn't gone away with Brazil. And I think that this is an opportunity, I think, for Liverpool not to get into a situation where it's it's got to not be news if Liverpool don't play Stephen Gerrard. And in Dalglish's season and a half, partially because of Stephen's own injuries, that that had become the case. And then when Rodgers has come back in, Gerard plays practically every game. Um, and I think that if if Liverpool can get themselves back into a situation where it's better for all parties if Gerard's just one of the players, and this this is an opportunity now to say to Gerard, we need you at Ludogorets because I, I actually do think we do. You know, we need that presence on the pitch, someone who can make something happen, quality from set pieces, all that sort of stuff. Whereas I think against Crystal Palace, it's not to say they're not a good side. It is to say though that Liverpool could could get back some momentum with a couple of changes and then and, and then bleed themselves back in and, and it's dealing with that major threat it's having someone who can say to the back four whoever it is because it could be any four lads who can say to the back four right I'm here mm. and I'm here to help you you're not here to help me I'm here to help you so if they start doing that I'm going to do this if they start doing that I'm going to shuttle across there I'm just there to help you out yeah, and that's I, what's been missing absolutely I think that's spot on because you know, it, it alleviates pressure on the defence as well, which is, you know, w- what these lads need at the moment. Let's face it, they've they got a, a tough enough time of it as it is. And I actually thought in, in the aftermath of that Real Madrid game, obviously everyone's hands up for Colo Torre to start. I was very surprised Lucas didn't um, with Chelsea. And it's against the, it's Real the physical Madrid- aspect. It's, it's, I think it's the, it's the idea of being fit enough, yeah. but also being... Lucas and Gerrard both lack pace. But what I would say, Neil, he actually... <laughs> You can tell me if I'm being wrong here, but I I thought he, he looked quite lean and quite fit against Real Madrid. He was I covering thought, the ground. I thought he looked better than what I've seen him in a very very long time in a red shirt. Uh, he seemed to have more of a composure than I think I've ever seen him. There's times when he used to get the ball for me, even even when he was in his peak before he got that horrific injury away at Chelsea. There were times when I looked him on the ball, he didn't look composed. He he very much rushed it. He was almost get the ball out of my feet as quick as I can mm. to a red shirt. That's my game. Um, against Real Madrid, they look like a, a cultured sort of, you know, stalwart. I've been around a long time. I've, you know, I deserve to be on the ball. I can pick and choose a pass here, yeah. and I feel he's got that. And I, I do actually think there's there's a strong call for him to get a run of games in that team. And like you say, with, with, with that sort of calm, consistent seven out of ten performance. Could just be what exactly what this Liverpool side needs at the moment, rather than the tinkering with it, the trying different positions. 
and you know someone just gives Stephen Gerrard the rest. I I, th- I I do. I think I think that what Lucas would do is he'd liberate people in front of him and behind yeah. him. They'd have to worry less about what was going on behind them in that midfield. So Henderson wouldn't have to worry about you know what do we need to come and help Stephen? Do we need to drop in and do this and all this sort of stuff? But I think you know you've seen Lovren coming for balls that he doesn't need to come mm. for. You've seen uh, Hen- uh, Johnson was noticeable coming inside to to help Gerrard out with Hazard against Chelsea and leaving a big space rather than that really should be the other way around. It would be nice if there's a piece of convention to do. Have the lad at the be the water carrier, be that be the Deschamps sort of player. Uh, that is all in the game this week with Neil Atkinson and David Downey. Quick, Dave. Quick, quick prediction for Everton at West Ham. One nil, dog of a win. See you later. We'll have that, won't we? It's all in the game on City Talk One Hundred Five Point Nine.